We're going to take some time today to introduce you to what I'm calling the Circle of Light Project for 1991. We've had some notes about it in our programs and in our centerpiece, and so some of you probably have already familiarized yourself a little bit with what we're doing. It all started in a dream. In a vision, of, in a dream, I saw Avery Fisher Hall perched atop a high hill. It seemed rather confusing at first. But there it was, sitting on this high hill, radiant with light, rays reaching out around the world from this one source. And a few days later, in a meditation time, the project unfolded, and it seemed so very right. I remember Jesus' words, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a lamp and set it under a bushel, but on a stand. He gives light to all the house. George Lamsa gives a little information about this house that cannot be hid. He says that in, in that day, people in small communities farming communities and communities for shepherds. The families all stayed in one large community house, and many families under one roof. And the house was dark all the time because they had no windows in those days. So in the house they had their lamps fueled by butter. And the only way they could see, and so there were some families who were too poor to provide the butter. It would be dependent upon the lights of their neighbors so that they could see. Sometimes the neighbors would become a little provoked and irritated and resentful. They were furnishing light for the others who had no light. So they put a, trying to put a block up so that the light wouldn't go over into the other area. Symbolically, putting their lamp under a bushel, perhaps even getting under a bushel to do their work so that the neighbors wouldn't see the light. So this has meaning then. You see, a city cannot, set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a lamp and set it under a bushel, but on a stand so that all around can see. Jesus was symbolically trying to help us to understand that every person is a light unto the world. It's important that he let his light shine, to keep the light burning, because there are many folks in the world who live in darkness, in ignorance, in poverty, in homelessness. They need a greater light. When we understand our true purpose in life, we find that life is a giving process. It's important that we give and let our light shine. I had the realization that went along with this vision of Avery Fisher Hall on a hill. We gather here every Sunday. Many people feel that there's a great energy that emanates from this place on Sunday when we get together and think together and pray together, sing our closing song together, let there be peace on earth. There's a tremendous energy here. I thought that sometimes it may be that inadvertently we have put, hit our lamp under a bushel. His energy is a tremendous power. I can see it going forth specifically to the various areas of the world that are troubled in darkness. On the fields of Saudi Arabia in desert, where we stand perched on the very threshold of a possible war, the tremendous inflationary, recessionary problems here in this country, indecisions in government, the tax burden that are, seem inadequate to handle the needs of the communities, 
people walking in darkness, fear in the, uh, to walk on the streets because of the crime and the difficult projects that are available everywhere. It's a very important time to let our light shine to the world. The logo on the front of the program, if you're not acquainted with it, you might just turn the program for a moment and look at it. It's our symbol, has been for a good while. It, it's a, it evolves as a visual articulation of a very basic insight in my personal philosophy of truth. A totally supported universe. As Patina says, rushes and streams and pours into us from all sides. Are we staying quiet? Of course, you have to give way to the universal flow to experience the unfoldment of your good. But it comes from within. There's a tremendous life healing energy that flows from within us all because we are, after all, spiritual beings. Jesus says, the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Your good pleasure, the will, the divine desire of the Creator to perfect himself in that which has been created. The tremendous power within us working to heal us, to bless us, to direct us. We have to give way. Of course, there's more involved in this in the teaching. It's a vital teaching that works. Amazingly practical. For many have been helped and healed, even saved, by this process. And I'm sure many of you can testify to that. There's a tendency in this study of truth to focus on our problems, to presume that the object of truth study is to solve our needs. In our prayers, we sometimes say we tend to expect God to hop to our bidding. And someone says we become, in our relationship to the divine, almost working spiritual slot machines, expecting good things to come out. Many have made the goal of truth demonstration over problems. It's the whole purpose of it. Because it's true, you can, you can find prosperity, you can find success, you can increase your physical condition, bring harmony into your life and love into your emotions and fulfillment. It all works. But there's a tendency to make the demonstration of things as the goal and end of, of our whole study. We tend to rate our spiritual growth by the size and frequency of our demonstrations. This is a weakness in this. As we go along, we might find that we've pretty well fulfilled the truth in our life and we have modestly manifest success and fulfillment. The tendency to begin to think, where do I go from here? What comes next? Sometimes we think, tend to think that the need is to go deeper into what we call metaphysics. Sometimes we say, I'm looking for a deeper teaching. I love Emmett Fox's statement when he says, the only advanced teaching is when you begin to do something about the truth we think we already know. But there is something we lack, that we look forward to, something we need. So you look again at the logo on the program. You notice that we've changed it a little bit. I call it the maturation of our logo. You notice that in the background is a representation of the world. And the logo is now superimposed upon this symbolic representation of the world, indicating that the next step in our quest for truth, the next step is to take the power, the substance that flows into us, rushes the streams and pours into us from all sides, as Patina says, and to give it back to the world. Become an instrument for the outreaching of peace and power and love and substance. You notice that the little man in the center of the logo 
receives the energy from without. The arrows are pointing into him. And then also, if you look at it in another context, the arrows are pointing outward. You give back, give out, radiate his love and peace to your fellow creatures, helping to bring peace and fulfillment and harmony and prosperity to what has been called the global village. The prime motivation for a person attending a service on Sunday is to be fed spiritually. That's all right. That's good. We always hope that you're satisfied and nourished here on Sunday, but there's a tendency to overlook the fact that the greater purpose of coming together on a Sunday is to fulfill the role of the idea that life is forgiving. Forgiving. We tend to be almost selfish and self-centered in the idea that we come to get something. How important to get to turn it around and get the idea of giving something. I've mentioned often the story of the Quaker who attended the, the person who attended the Quaker meeting in the Quaker meeting house. He was puzzled by sitting there in the silence for a long period of time, didn't know what was going on, he had no idea what they did there. He leaned over to the man next to him and he whispered, When does the service begin? The man stoically said, and the meeting is over. We want to think in terms of the actual energy and the fulfillment of this hour on Sunday begins when the meeting is over. Begins when we've turned away from for a moment from the idea of worshiping God and praising God and giving thanks for good coming into our life through this consciousness of God and begin to project that consciousness to the world. The story is told of Marconi, the Italian inventor. He began to tell everyone that he was going to be the first one to give the secret of wireless broadcasting to the world. He thought he was a brash youngster. How could he possibly know this when men have been working on this for years? How, how can you tell, they said, that you would be the first one to give wireless to the world? Because all the researchers up to now been trying to find a way to overcome the resistance of the sound through the air, the atmosphere. But he said, I've discovered that there is no resistance. Many folks in their religious worship try to overcome the resistance of God. Whether it be praying for peace or praying for healing or praying for help of someone, quite often is added, if it be thy will, Lord. It is always God's will. There's no resistance to overcome. Activity of God is eternal love, life, substance, peace. It's always present. It's always working for the positive, the outreaching of light. The problem is not in God, in his reluctance to give, in our individual frustration of the divine flow. So when we get involved in praying, I say so often, understand that the need is not to pray to God. God doesn't need your prayers. God is too almighty to be dependent upon your love and your worship and your thanksgiving and your support. God is an eternal love that is ever-present, evenly present, everywhere. We need to express it, radiate it, give it, give it forth into activity. You don't pray to God. Pray from the consciousness of God. So your prayer becomes a projection of God's power. Not a hesitant, hoping, wishing God would do something for us. God has done all he can do. 
God is peace, not he has peace. God is love, not that he can be loving for us. God is life, not that he will heal. God is. Our need is to express it. So we're going to emphasize in our Circle of Light project the need to realize the consciousness of light. We're not going to pray for peace. In the sense that we're not proposing just another group peace prayer project. There are many of those. The weak spot in many such groups, a little about the group process. This is a group here this time. Something happens when the group gets together. There's a, a dynamic that takes place. And people are gathered in a consciousness of oneness. If you're all here, think in terms of finding the light of truth for our lives. Something happens. The group takes on a character of its own. There's a soul that manifests. The group's soul knows the needs and expresses the pluses that come out of our consciousness. Are we suggesting that there's a greater concentration of God here because of the large group? Is there more prayer power in a group than in a person praying alone? The answer to that is in what I call the unity principle. The whole of God is present in his entirety at every point in space. God can never be present any more than he already is anywhere. Yet there's something special about a group. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. Not Jesus in the midst, but the mystic power of the I am in the midst. There I am in the midst. If the group works in a consciousness of unity, oneness, there's a cosmic power which I call the power of the swarm. The power of the swarm. Visualize a school of fish. You've seen those beautiful, tiny little fish move about in a whole school and they seem to turn, make 90 degree turns, pirouettes and all the various motions that take place, almost as if they're involved in being directed by some superintelligence. How does this work? Scientists have been trying to understand this for a long time. You see a swarm of, a flock of geese flying overhead in formation, moving about as if there's somebody seated somewhere in the midst of this thing telling them all what to do. That's the power of the swarm. The group becomes an entity with the soul. Now the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. There's a oneness of vision and focus, one projection of light. It's a sense that when we become one in our meditation time later, feel this oneness, feel this projecting forth, the fountain flowing forth of light from our consciousness. In one voice, one projection, we send this energy out into the world, or that whereto we send it, and it shall be accomplished and fulfilled. We will take some time in our meditation for world healing in a little bit. But about the meditation process. We use the word meditation advisedly because so often when we talk about prayer, the mind goes in all directions. We pray to God about things. We sort of have a third, third party, a triangle. God is up here. We pray to God about something down here. I like to say, I'm going to take the short route, leave out the middleman. Pray directly to the condition. Now, first of all, first of all, that's sacrilegious. You're trying to get rid of God. I'm not at all. We're going to take God out of the skies. As long as God is up here, we're involved in supplicating, pleading, hoping, praying, 
Anyway, well, maybe, maybe it isn't going to work out for me this time. Maybe God isn't listening. God can't help himself from listening because God is allness of intelligence. Take away God from the sky. Think of God in yourself. That activity within you that rushes and streams and pours in you from all sides. Constantly filling you and thrilling you and lifting you up to a higher consciousness. You pray from that consciousness. When you pray for conditions out here, you don't pray for something to happen out of the sky, some miracle to take place. You pour this condition, as far as you're concerned, with this fountaining forth of light. And that light becomes healing energy because it's God power. It's flowed through you. You see the thing right. Not, not try to set it right. You see it rightly. Your right seeing becomes a healing power. Let me take a moment to get still in our meditation time. It's good to use your imaging power for a minute. I say step through the looking glass with Alice in Wonderland. On the one side of the glass, in this three-dimensional experience, we see light. You see light of the sun up there. You see light coming from lamps and so forth. As we step through the looking glass, we get into another dimension. We don't see light. We see from light. Everything is enlightened because we're enlightened. We relate to things in the consciousness of light. In this consciousness, whatever you focus on, you project a fountain of light. So it's important to relax and settle into the swarming process. Give yourself creatively to this group situation. Like the fish in a swarm, you move easily and dramatically with the trend of the group. I play the part of, a le of the leader and we focus the light energy. You'll be a part of the ensuing light radiance and you will make a difference. I believe in the power of group prayer, visualization. This body here, this group, can have a positive effect, whether we know it or not. Not just figuratively, but in a very real sense, we can change the course of history if the light goes forth in a pure sense. We can help to realize the peace that passeth understanding. Just one thing more. When we leave this place today, after we've had this glorious experience, it's a matter of maintaining this consciousness. Which will set a watch, O Lord, upon my lips. It's important not to pollute the atmosphere with negatives. There are so many opportunities in a day to express negatives. In an elevator, something comes up. Terrible day, isn't it? Yeah, isn't that awful what's going on over in Persian Gulf? Terrible things going on in the cities? Yeah, it's awful. And we go on this negative consciousness. We want you to make a commitment. When you go forth from this place today, keep your consciousness centered in the circle of light. Wherever there's a situation, the person, or activity that's taking place, a government process, a military force, a threat of war. Whenever this comes to consciousness, put a circle of light around it. Just constantly think of a circle of light around the person, around the situation. And as far as you're concerned, you can let it go. It will not only keep you from the negative, but will release the flow of light within you. Because your, your life will be a purposeful, meaningful expression of healing light in the world around you. You will make a difference.
let's just say in this portion of our service, we acknowledge the practice of the activity of God. We dedicate ourselves to becoming channels. We expect something beautiful to come forth. So be it. We're now going to proceed into the meditation for world healing, healing of the world. This is a very important experience. We want you to be a part of it in real consciousness of oneness. First of all, we have a very distinct pleasure presenting Marvin Hamlish, because uh, some weeks ago, at a special Christmas Eve activity, Marvin was present and he introduced this song. I loved it immediately. So much so that I overcome my usual reticence and timidity and went up and rashly asked him <laughs> if we had used the song here. Without any hesitation, he said, sure, I'll come play it for you. So we took him out of his word. Marvin has come with his wife, Terry, and uh, we're really happy to have him with us. He's going to introduce the song, and Paul will sing it for us. Marvin. learned a new uh, theory about show business. They always say you shouldn't you know, do anything with little children or animals. You shouldn't try to follow a spectacular song by your you know, own creation. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, this song was uh, motivated, in fact, inspired by my wife and her dear friend who asked me, in fact, uh, had there ever been an anthem written for not just one country, but in fact for everyone. And I was very taken by the notion of doing something like this. And of course, I asked my wife what I would ask anyone who would ask me to write this. I said, well, how much are you going to pay for this? You know? <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, <laughs> uh, but love finds a way. Anyway. I went to, uh, <laughs> I went to some very special lyricists, Alan and Marilyn Bergman, and uh, I was very thrilled when they came up with what I think is an exceptional lyric. What I'm also particularly thrilled about is that I've just heard our man here just, uh, you know, we got together at about 9.30 in the morning, which is one of the few times I've ever seen 9.30 in the morning. Um, uh, and I am just so pleased that he would be seeing it here, so we give this to you, my wife and I give this to you as uh, our present. If we all sing one song one song of love, one song of peace, one song to make all our troubles cease, one hymn 
one thing, one hope, one dream. Imagine what tomorrow would bring if we all sing. Just imagine what tomorrow 
Thank you, Marvin, and Steve, we sure appreciate that. Folks, when you hear this song, don't, don't leave now because we're just going to have our meditation time. When you hear this song, as you, I'm sure you will, radio and television and various other ways, often in the years to come, you'll know you heard it first here at Unity. Now we're going to get still. This is what we're here for today. There's a Russian folk song that says, if the people live their lives as if it were a song, for singing out the light, provide the music for the stars to be dancing circles in the night. Let's take that simple exercise in vision stepping through the looking glass. Come from the world of seeing light, the world of seeing from light. This is a world of magic, the world of wonder. It's a world of great power. It's a light that flows through us, each one. It's the greatest energy in the world. Give yourself as a channel. Let the song of life, the song of peace, the song of love pour forth from your mouth. For the psalm says, He hath put a new song in my mouth. As this one song sinks itself, sings itself into our consciousness, we lift it up into the light and pours forth into us out of the creative flow. Bathed in light, energized in light, filled with love and forgiveness in the light, projecting in the light. The flow of transcendence and healing, healing in the light. This hall is aglow with light. The city on the hill that cannot be hid. Through one body, one soul, we focus this light with all of its energy. First of all, in the Persian Gulf. We focus this light on all the peoples of that area and the soldiers who are placed there on alert. We especially see the light. We see the innate divinity. Then Saddam Hussein and his advisors, President Bush and his military and political advisors, all those involved and could be involved. Circles of light surrounding each one, putting on the armor of protection in the light. We don't know the solution. We don't need to know. We only keep ourselves centered in the light, the healing light that makes for peace, understanding, justice, integrity, and love. We want to see this light reaching out to all the areas of need, all the darkened points in the world. Need for leadership in government, 
integrity. Honesty and integrity in the business community. Stability in the nation's economy. Guidance and light in the function of our schools. Light, it can bring the only solution to the problem of drugs and crime, epidemics. As the psalmist says, the prophet Isaiah says, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, thy health shall spring forth speedily. Just for a moment, in quiet, I see this light pouring forth from us, from this hall, as a radiant influence in all the dark areas of the world. feel confident in this, conscious of the fact that each one of us is a part of it. We do make a difference. The light that goes forth may truly change the course of human affairs, human history. We want this anthem for the world. Be just the right note, the one song. bring peace and harmony and love into the hearts of people everywhere. We're grateful that we, in this moment together we could do our little bit. There's just one song that warms our day. The same old moon and imagine what would happen in the world if we'd all sing that one song. On this note, we're going to close our meeting.
want to thank Marvin and Steve and Paul and Alga, who've helped so much to make this effective. I want to thank each one of you for going forth in the light, maintaining this consciousness, using it every time you can, the circle of light that you place around the disturbed and darkened areas. We're going to close with our usual let there be peace, but today, as we stand, we'll hold hands and we'll also, at the close of it, raise our hands as we do so often. We're going to hold that for a few moments. Think in terms of antenna going forth from this place, sending out this vibration of light. For truly, my dream will be fulfilled. Avery Fisher Hall sitting on a hill, radiant with light. Let's stand and sing, let there be peace on earth. begins with one song. Amen.